0: This is the sermon podcast of St. John's Episcopal Church in Brooklyn, New York. They're primarily by me, the Reverend Ben DeHart, but you'll hear from some of my good friends as well. We at St. John's exist to proclaim the good news of the gospel, so if you like what you hear, we'd love it if you join us in person. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m., and our beautiful church, located in Park Slope, is easy to get to from all over the city. We hope you'll stop by soon and now the sermon Hey gang so after you know 50 plus Sundays of remembering to bring my phone into the pulpit last Sunday I completely forgot and that's why you got no sermon Just happens that this Sunday I did the same exact thing after promising myself not to do it So the sermon will sound a little bit different than the last few that you've heard but I just didn't want to let you go Two weeks without hearing a word. So, the way I'm going to center myself, say a little prayer, and then go for it. So, Almighty God, we just ask that you would make these words your words, even through something as simple as a podcast, through Christ our Lord. Amen. So, I have been reading a lot of articles over the last couple weeks, watching a lot of YouTube videos, and what I've noticed is that a similar theme has arisen. Unfortunately, it's a pretty depressing theme, a theme that change is either incredibly difficult or impossible. It started with articles I read about climate change and about how some people who are essentially just their life mission is to make us take the environment more seriously are giving up. They are doomsdayers. They're saying the world and that we Will not change, we cannot change, so we might as well capitulate to nihilism, or just living it up, I guess. Other things that I've read about are just, you know, family members, uncles, grandparents, who just are so set in their ways that it is absolutely impossible for them to change. And finally, I was watching a YouTube video where that famous... Uh, I guess he's an anthropologist. Harari, you've probably heard of him. He has written that famous book, Sapiens, that number one bestseller. And he says in this TED Talk that he gives that God is a fiction, that countries are a fiction, that heaven is a fiction. Uh, what's in what Whether you believe in God or not, and maybe you're trying to believe in God by listening to the sermon, but where he goes all the way is that he says that human rights are... A fiction. And you can imagine that in his comment box, a whole lot of people wrote in response well, if human rights are a fiction, won't this kind of thinking justify what Hitler did or people doing whatever they want to do to subjugate people, etc.? So, pretty depressing stuff I've been reading and seeing, uh, but the theme has been that things and the people do not change. Now, the gospel reading from Mark that we read this morning and that we've been reading over the past couple weeks says the exact opposite thing. Only the emphasis is not on the fact that people can change, that they pull themselves up by their bootstraps, but that God in Jesus changes not just people, not just you, but everything, the cosmos, the politics, etc. But before we get into that, let's get a little... Quick recap. We're only 28 verses into Mark, and already we've seen so much. Mark begins with that famous opening this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. Only well, it doesn't tell us what the good news of Jesus Christ is. And by implication, it's trying to get us to realize that we are going to find out what the good news of Jesus Christ is by finishing reading the narrative. So, what happens in the narrative? What have we seen so far? And again, just we're still in the first chapter. We saw John. John proclaims what? A baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So, right off the bat, what is the good news of the gospel? Well, one, it has something to do with the forgiveness of sins, but two, it has another thing to do with repentance, of turning our lives around, of no longer going to the vomit that we keep crawling back to, no longer hurting those we love, or just those who bear the image of God, no longer cutting corners. Um, Yeah, I don't know about you, but I've done some therapy recently, and I've been made aware of some areas where I cut corners, some areas where I hurt people, and I'm sure there's a whole lot that I'm completely unaware of that I'm doing wrong. Now, instead of that being terrible news that really should depress me, part of the good news of the gospel is that I have been and will be forgiven for every sin. But obviously, that is connected to repentance. God does not want us to fall back into sin. He would like us to repent. Now, in a minute, we'll see that we need all the help we can get to repent, and we've already saw that last week. But even before that, we saw what happened in Mark, that Jesus is baptized, and after being baptized, he was thrust into the wilderness where he is tempted by Satan, where he has this hand-to-hand combat with the devil, which is, again, another part of this good news. The forgiveness of sins, repentance or healing, but also deliverance from all that oppresses us. Part of the reason why you and I can't quit That very thing, like Paul's thorn in his flesh, is because we are assaulted by powers and principalities, however you want to understand that, what the Bible calls the Satan. So, after being successful in his hand-to-hand combat with the devil, he proclaims a message, again, part of the good news, that the kingdom of God has come near. In other words, I am here. So repent. Believe the good news. So far, the good news is not just the forgiveness of sins, although that's a huge part of it. I never want to poo-poo that. But it also has to do with being healed and delivered. So he's essentially saying things can change. You can change. Do not despair. Believe the good news. And it's immediately after that, that he calls his disciples, and unlike in the other Gospels where some of them, like Nathaniel, are like, well, I don't know about this Jesus guy, what good can come out of Nazareth? In Mark, all it shows us is Jesus calling the disciples, and they immediately follow. Again, Jesus is kind of this action figure person in Mark. Uh, maybe if you have little boys, or maybe that's a cultural thing. Anyone who's into Marvel movies, anyone who's into action heroes, this is the Gospel for them. For Jesus busts on the scene, he seizes, and as we'll see in a second, he casts out all that opposes his people. So, right after Jesus calls his disciples, right after coming out of the wilderness in his hand-to-hand combat with the devil, Jesus' public ministry begins, according to Mark. And where does it begin? It begins in a synagogue, a synagogue in Capernaum. And there we read that Jesus teaches, and not just teaches, but teaches with authority. What does that mean? Well, we don't exactly know, right? Because Mark, being the good writer that he is, he's trying to get you to read the whole thing. He doesn't even tell us what Jesus teaches. We can guess it must have to do with repentance. It must have to do with the kingdom, but we're not sure. All we know is he teaches unlike the scribes. He teaches with an authority that seizes. And right after teaching, we see this man get up. This man with what the text says is an unclean spirit. And that spirit speaking through the man says, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, some scholars think that, you know, the demon is saying Jesus's name and saying his identity as the Holy One of God in order to cast a spell on him, right? The the notion that if you know someone's name, you have one up to them just like how God doesn't really truly give his name when he speaks to Moses in the wilderness, right? He says, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. Here, the demon recognizes him, whereas very few have, maybe with the exception of maybe John the Baptist. But what does the text say? Jesus silences the unclean spirit. He silences him, says get out of him, and just like with his dealings with Satan in the wilderness, the unclean spirit Leaves the man. In the words of the unclean spirit, Jesus came to destroy him, to destroy all that oppresses us, to destroy all of the addictions in our lives, all the things in our lives where it looks like we can't change. God in Christ has come to set us free and make us whole. So, in a nutshell, with all that we've dealt with with Mark so far, including today's gospel reading, what is the good news of the gospel so far? Well, one, it has to do with forgiveness. And again, never poo-poo forgiveness. When you get in touch with who you really are, when you get to look into the mirror and see all of the crap that you've done to other people, and not only to other people, but to yourself, you will realize, as I have realized, as I will forever realize, that the good news of the forgiveness of sins truly is the balm of Gilead. This isn't just forgiveness from past sins. This is for future sins. That said, it's very much connected, that is forgiveness, to repentance, to turning 180, to no longer going back to the vomit. And how do we repent? We repent by being seized by the gospel, being seized by Christ. So forgiveness is one part of the multivalent gospel. Deliverance is another part. Oftentimes when we hear the word repent, we think it's all on us. Again, I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. But if we're reading Mark closely, we see that it is Jesus who, in the words of the black church, makes a way out of no way. It is Jesus who, in the words of St. Paul, raises the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. So forgiveness, deliverance, but also, as we see, closely connected with deliverance, is healing. Here is a man who may not even have realized what had been oppressing him. Here is a man who couldn't, by his own doing, get rid of this unclean spirit. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it's some addiction. Maybe it's some habit or characteristic that you just can't quit. But you and I, we need forgiveness. We need to be delivered from all that is oppressing us. But also, we need to be made whole. We need to be healed. And that's what we see Jesus doing. Again, the emphasis is on his agency and not our own. So, what has the Gospel of Mark in this passage provoked us to thus far? We are to stop assuming, like the people I've been reading about, like the people I've been watching, that the way things are must always equal the way things have to be. God is. In Jesus, the kingdom, the reign of God promises more. Whether that more is realized now, through a sudden healing or deliverance, or in a far-off future. What's more, Epiphany, the season that we're in, is not just about the manifestation of God in Jesus in the past, but it's also about having eyes to see where he is manifesting his glory in the here and now. And not just in our lives, although that's very important, but in the world. So, I don't know what you bring with yourself this morning. I don't know what you need deliverance for, healing for, forgiveness, or maybe even just purpose. You need a reason, right? Because if human rights aren't real, if there are, it's all a fiction, what is going to not let us capitulate to nihilism? You and I are promised that the way things are, and even the way that things have been, are not the way things have to be. The reign of God is at hand. The one who makes a way out of no way is here. So whether you believe this, half believe this, or just want to want to believe it, come to the altar and receive the kingdom today. Be forgiven, delivered, and healed. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.